Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast. I am your host and ring bearer, Stephen Buja. And joining me, as always, is the one and only Alex Riviello, the Brave. Alex. Oh, I thought you were going to call me Sam. No, why would I call you Sam? Sam well, I'd be the Sam tier Frodo. But you're the, uh, you're the Alex to my Steve. Yeah, but, okay, That's I guess. how it is. <laughs> which, which, but it's very odd, because te- if anything, you should be... The ring bearer because I'm the gardener of the of the two of us. So uh, it, it, it just true. makes makes uh, just a little more sense. Anyways, Alex, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. It's been a hey. love. It's been a lovely time revisiting these three films this, this uh, past couple it, weeks. It's been it's been really good. It's been too long for me. It's been way too long. I I uh, you know I have friends who like uh, watch it every year, and I've, I'm kind of uh, wondering why I ha- I'm not doing that. It's 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 been a while, but it's kind of amazing how I remember every single thing about these movies, yeah. even the extended versions. It's like I saw them so many times. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm. Uh, I definitely, I definitely admitted last time that there was a possibility I didn't have to watch these movies in order to review them because <laughs> I again, mm-hmm. once again, I found myself just quoting along to literally everything that happened. Yeah. But uh, Alex, so we are talking uh, Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers today, and yes. like last week, I think we're going to need just a little bit of help in mm-hmm. talking about this such a very large and expansive world and movie that Peter Jackson has created. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I am very pleased to announce that our special guest this week is a I like to say minor internet ce- celebrity, at least to me. Uh, his work has appeared. There is nothing minor. <laughs> oh, oh my! He's 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 well, he's not even waiting for my introduction. Uh, his uh, his film work has appeared on UGO and Chud, and now you may recognize him from Slant Magazine and Gamespot, writing for the as a contributor to the video game sections. But he's also written articles for Pace Magazine, MTV, and High Def Digest. He is a good friend of all of both of ours, I do believe, and his name is Justin Clark. Justin, welcome to the show, and how are you doing hey. this evening? Thank you. I am quite well, gentlemen. How are all of you? Again, can't complain. We're so glad to have you around uh, to talk about this film and, if you like, next The Return of the King as well. Be great. Again, we'll think, see, we'll, we'll, well see. just like the movies. If I'm in for a penny, I'm in for a pound. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Return of the Clark. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Boom. Instagram po- poster <laughs> right, there. right there. So, uh, so Justin, Justin, for the people who are unfamiliar with your uh, great work, by the way, I loved your, I lo- I've loved your coverage of the, uh, you know, your video, your video game stuff, especially for yeah, this year. Yeah, your it's been Final great. Fantasy uh, review, by the way, that just went up on, I believe, it was on Slant. Um, it was great, and uh, I have it on the way, and I'm really excited about it now. I'm more excited about it after reading your review. Yeah. yeah, it's um, really fantastic, and just that was one of those reviews where, like, I, I literally just had to get everything out. So, like, there's a three thousand five hundred word review <laughs> on my hard drive right now, and I'm just like, mm. this needs to come down a skosh, and <laughs> ended up with like a thousand words. So, yeah, it was one of those things I had a lot to say because I'm still thinking about it, even though I already yeah. had a review. Yeah, and it's also one of those games that there's like, I mean, I I, I haven't played it obviously, but I mean, any RPG, it's always you know, you spend fifty, sixty, eighty, a hundred hours on one of these games. It's it almost seems silly to just you know fill it in like eight hundred words review something like that. Right, it's right. almost impossible. It definitely yeah. made me excited for a Final Fantasy game, and I haven't been like jazzed for one of those in many years. And I'm not gonna say I'm gonna play it because I got The Witcher three to 
still handle. But <laughs> yeah, if I, in a few months. But if that actually come out when I need a hundred hour game, boom. That actually does circle back around though, because like Final Fantasy, Witcher, all these other things, like that's usually not my bag. Like I'm usually not a medieval fantasy guy whatsoever. Like especially being black, there's just something about like oh, I have to go back in time where like I don't exist. That kind of goes against <laughs> everything that like usually appeals to me and what usually what got me about like well for one final fantasy 15 it was this whole thing about like um, so much of it is about brotherhood it's about like these four men going on this you know adventure together and it's like they're trying to go to a wedding but they're just kind of one of them's not ready for the responsibility that stuff is relatable Mm -hmm. for something like lord of the rings Believe it or not, I wasn't that huge a fan, and I'm probably going to get shot or sniped in my window <laughs> for this, but I'm actually not a fan of the books whatsoever. I absolutely, like, I like elements of them, but the books themselves, I'm not a fan at all. They just <clears throat> ended up boring me. I didn't approve, I didn't like a lot of the characters. It just didn't work. What made the movie special was there I don't know, Peter Jackson just kind of got to the humanity of it. Like, I like these people and putting them in this situation where there's just so much, like, you have these innocent hobbits and they're going through all this horrible stuff that, like, nobody should have to bear unless they're literally about to go to war. That was my angle in. And just the fact that, like, these four people are just, like, they're going from something that they've always known, this is all they've known of their entire lives, to something that they absolutely like they're just barely comprehending as they go along that was my in and just watching them react and just watching them like just slowly kind of be tainted by the rest of the world was just utterly heartbreaking but also heartening just watching them rise above that so i, I yeah. can understand that completely yeah. i mean because it definitely he definitely distilled it down into that exactly that like almost the human journey part of it. I mean, J.R. Tolkien is always obsessed with like the minutia and the world building. And, and uh, I mean, just look at the similarian. I mean, that, that book is just, you know, an appendix to uh, the rest, you know, the rest of this, all the, you know, it's, I don't, I can't even really read it. It's not really, I feel like it's not even like a book, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a, just information. It's a history text. It's a history. It's, yeah. It's, well, it's not even, yeah, it's not even that. It's just like, yeah, it's, yeah, I guess so. Basically. Um, that's what seemed that's I, I can understand that a lot of that and, and a lot of the singing and the, the, there's a lot of songs because it I mean, nobody really talks about how many songs there were in The Hobbit and uh, uh, The Lord of the Rings that you know just barely appear maybe you know the hobbits sing like one or two and this then but the elves got one <laughs> there's a lot of singing in those books it's just like yeah. one's a drinking song in the movies one's yeah. just like the, the elves are just kind of singing like in the background the yeah, yeah in the background yeah, yeah. But in the right. book, it's just Not like, like yeah. everyone stop. But what do the dwarves have to? Yeah. yeah. But that's, that to me is one of the best things about the film is that it took this very verbose text. And I'm kind of there with you, mm-hmm. Justin, in that the books are, I think, my third favorite version of the actual story behind the movies and the uh, radio BBC radio drama. But it managed. I still gotta watch. I gotta you, know, listen to that. you do have to listen to that. But it week. took it. it took all these words and it just brought them to life on screen because it made it a very visual experience that uh, wildly succeeded, I think, because, hey, we're still talking about this right now and was able to just cut, it was able to say, okay, we don't, because a lot of it is like the entire character of Tom Bombadil, for instance, he's just there to kind of give you an example of the world, but you don't need him because we can see everything here uh, as 
beautifully imagined by the creators of the film. It's just that's great. Right. It's just kind of a distillation of like, okay, here's what well first what will work on screen, but also just kind of what's the point of this scene? Mm-hmm. Like beyond the song, beyond like let's going I I a ball rock for the thirty fifth page in a row, what is the point of this scene? And Peter Jackson kind of getting, okay, what's actually at the heart of it? And just kind of draining just all the, I don't know, just all the fat off of it and just kind of getting down to this is how these people would react in this certain situation. And just, I don't know, he's not restrained at all in terms of visuals or in terms of just the emotions of it. He doesn't hold back and just like, well, maybe they're a little too close for a couple. No, they just love each other. They care for each other. This is something that they're going to have to feel on screen. And it comes across to the audience, I think. It is a film made with love. Absolutely. Now, uh, now, you said you weren't, uh, so you weren't, you weren't a fan of the books. Understandable. What were, what was your anticipation going into, say, Fellowship of the Ring, the first movie? Going into Fellowship, it was one of those things where almost all of my nerd friends were freaking out about it, and usually at that <laughs> point, when like something. I'm the type of person where something reaches a certain level of saturation. It's just like, <laughs> all right, I need to know what everybody is flipping out. Get caught out up about. with it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, the first trailer <laughs> happened, like, you know, I was, I forgot what movie I saw it in front of, but I just remember people flipping their lids about it, just like, oh my God, it's actually happening. It's actually happening. Oh my God. It's actually, uh, I figured at that point, okay, I should read the books. At that point, again, read the books, hated it, threw it in the trash, and then I was done. Went to go see the movie that night just because, okay, it's happening. I should might as well do it. And was just utterly transfixed from minute one. I don't know. It was just like, that second, like, Galadriel like, starts speaking Elvish, and he's talking about the world has changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the air. Just yeah. some, like, picking up the book, it was concerning hobbits and going into this kind of description of what hobbit life is like for an entire chapter. In right. this, it was, okay, no, this is the world. There's a lot <laughs> of magic here, but here's the, here's the weird stuff that's going to start happening. Like, there's just no pretense to it there's no it doesn't feel like i'm being introduced to britain it feels like i'm being introduced to like history like legend and that's mm-hmm. something that i think a lot of fancy films kind of forget in that yeah you can introduce dragons you can introduce swords and sorcery and all this but there's nothing about the feel of the world there's nothing that makes you think okay something has been lost here and we're going to tell you all about this in that second like i'm just immediately transfixed the second galadriel opens her mouth yeah and it was like that for the next three hours. <laughs> and uh, upon so, you enjoyed Fellowship. What was your what was your anticipation like for that year wait between Fellowship and Two Towers? How did how did you react to the trailers and the images and whatnot during the during during that time? What was your it like was, level? It was almost immediate. The second I walked out of Fellowship, I'm like, a year, really. <laughs> <laughs> no. And just from then on, I was utterly hooked. Like, I didn't go back and read Two Towers, the book. I ended up reading it like kind of like later on after Two Towers came out. But I ended up reading like pretty much every bit of casting, every bit of, okay, who's coming, who are the Rohirrim, all this other stuff. And then the, ta- the trailer started happening. And again, you just get this feeling of, you know, the quest, you know, you get that one line of the quest will claim his life, you know, the ring getting heavier. And just the kind of the lowering of the boom of everything. And that's something you don't necessarily see all the time in front of, I don't know, that's not something you necessarily see at 
when you're talking about like a sequel at that point anyway yeah it's because i mean this series definitely changed the mold it's, it's not just oh we're telling three it's like we're, it's it started the chapter storytelling almost like it's the main it's like a predecessor to it's the a, marvel like cinematic universe the... yeah that was kind of like the first yeah. time you ever saw like a trilogy being filmed like you, you knew the trilogy was happening all at once unless i'm mistaking yeah. something like maybe like superman i think was yeah. like, i think know, i think the into, second but... and third back to the futures were filmed back yeah, to right. back or something but they they feel so different from each other that it's hard yeah. to you know, yeah, it doesn't together, feel like from what you don't feel like you're moving from one to the other. It doesn't feel seamless like it does right. with the, this trilogy, God, um, right? Yeah, which I, I think is really a part of why it works so much. Though there is there was no gap. There everyone doesn't age in a year or two between filming. They're you know they're still there. They're still in the moment. Still yeah. you know they're shooting scenes in between other you know they they're shooting scenes all around. They had no idea what they were doing, apparently, while they were filming. They're like, I have no idea how this... I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it's weird enough shooting a film and not knowing what it's going to look like, but to shoot an entire trilogy with all these insane parts and not have any idea what's going to happen to it. Um, just right. be along for the ride for over a year, year and a half, or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, 16 months um, or something. And it, like, it's a, months, like, yeah. like you said last time, it's a big risk, because if the first movie didn't hit, yeah. you got these two bombed. other ones. It been, so, oh. Direct-to-videos, two oh. towers, yeah. like starring Michael Budakoff or something, I don't know. <laughs> a new I mean, line would have been in a, I mean, a that, lot of trouble. That would have been cool. Oh. would have loved yeah. that. <laughs> the, the American, what, uh, American Ninja, is that him? Is that yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> He's things. playing Aragorn now. They couldn't afford Viggo Mortensen. Right. <laughs> they bring back Stuart Townsend. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really want to see that footage. I really want to see what, how Stuart. I mean, it, it is kind of weird to see, think of him as Aragorn. I'm surprised it hasn't come out yet. Like that's yeah. like one of those things that just kind of you would have seen at some point. Like we've seen, like you know, oh, Eric Stolt is like Marty McFly. Like this just seems like one of those right. things right. by now. Maybe yeah. in another. Five ten years, so somebody will, you know, <laughs> yeah. find some footage somewhere. For yeah. the release of these, yeah, for the yeah. Tw- for the twentieth anniversary <laughs> sextology. Or I want to go on like sixteen k. The VR experience. It gets injected directly into your eyeballs by twenty twenty nine. <laughs> oh man, I'll be the first one to do it. <laughs> Just give it to me. Justin, it is great having you uh, here. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss the Academy Awards of 2002, where Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, was nominated, but did not win Best Picture. Stick around. Look at these nominees for achievement in visual effects. Jim Ryder, Joe LaTerry, Randall William Cook, and Alex Funky used a computer motion capture system to create the split personality character of Gollum and Smeagol, in the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. Not only could he spin a web, but Spider-Man could practically fly thanks to the sweeping visual effects created by nominees John Dykstra, Scott Stockdyke, Anthony La Molinera, and John Frazier. And over in a galaxy far, far away, created by George Lucas, nominees Rob Coleman, Pablo Hellman, John Knoll, and Ben Snow built a new all-digital universe for Star Wars Episode II, Attack of the Clones. And the Oscar goes to Jim Rigel, Joe LaTerry, Randall William Cook, and Alex Funky for The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. This is the 
first Academy Award for Joe Letary and Alex Funky, and the second for Jim Rigel and William Randall Cook. They both won Oscars in 2001 for The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Thank you, Academy. Uh, thank you, Peter Jackson, for directing three pieces of cinematic history and allowing us to be involved in it. Uh, Fran Walsh, uh, Barry Osborne, um, New Line, Mark Odesky, uh, Lauren Ritchie, Dean Wright, Libby Hazel, uh, my family, Teresa Saren Jackson, and Weta Digital in Wellington, New Zealand. Thank you all for this amazing award, and thanks especially to the incredible people at Weta Digital and Weta Workshop who helped make this all possible. And thanks, Abby and Sophia. Especially our amazing animation department. So I know the show is called Oscar Watch, and we talk about the movies that won Best Picture and whether or not they actually have held up. But Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers did not win Best Picture. It was nominated for sure, but did not pick up that one particular prize. Justin Clark, to you, what did Lord of the Rings garner at the uh, Academy Awards that year? Okay, so it won Best Visual Effects, which... Gum right there, like the second he's on screen, it was just like, yeah, just give him the Oscar. Yeah, yeah exactly. It still exactly. holds up, too, to this day. He's, I mean, you know, obviously it's been 14 years, but holy crap, that was the first character that was that was that realistic, that was completely all CGI. There was nothing, there was no comparison to anything before it. Like, nothing was... <laughs> Draco! Oh, sorry, sorry. I just love Dragonheart. I just love Dragonheart. But he's not a, he's not a humanoid <laughs> character at all. So. Right. <laughs> the best effect was Sean Connery. That was a different thing. Always <laughs> and forever. But even beyond that, like, even beyond Gollum happening, like, I remember just, that was the first time we'd ever seen, like, that many troops on screen. Right. Like, getting marched on Helm's Deep. And just like it's, you know, we've gotten so numb to it now because everybody's tried keeping yeah. it. But I just Chronicles that... of Nar- Narnia. <laughs> we have the Chronicles of goddamn Narnia movie that has got giant battle sequences. I mean, ugh. In, in fairness, that's the one Narnia movie I actually liked, so I can't rag on it. <laughs> which, which one was that? Are, are, are there the four? Prince Caspian. Or five? Yeah, with the one with the giant wars. <laughs> That's what you know. It's what we read the books for. Uh, no, I don't know. One of them was like a bunch of animals, but like the second one was like an actual like yeah. human on human battle. That one I actually yeah. dug. Yeah. Other two, I can't remember anything besides the fact that it was <laughs> they went to Narnia once. I don't yeah. even know. But, Santa showed up yeah. in one of them, I think. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It was a BBC series. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, getting, like, sorry. <laughs> this is like the first time that we had seen like massive battle scenes. I just remember like the first, the other standout moment besides like seeing Gollum for the first time was there's that moment where like, you know, Saruman's in his tower. Like he's got like, you know, the gunpowder for the first time and like, you know, Wormtongue comes up and he's like, my lord, there is no such army. He steps out and <laughs> there's just fields of these things. And mm-hmm. that was like the second time and... where like oh. yeah. Jaw was just like, you know, hit floor, you know, floor full of drool now just it was mm-hmm. um, incredible to actually watch and just like i remember that even messed with the plot because everybody kept talking about like whether that tear that grima was crying was like full of awe or whether it was full of oh my god what have i done <laughs> right like and part of it, a huge part of it is just because of the effect of just actually seeing this many things ready to go do murder all at once right because there are no armies yeah. that big back in 
the day. There aren't that many people yeah. <laughs> to populate it. Yeah. Oh, God. And there's that sequence too when they they're they're all outside when they're finally sieging the place that they all start when they start smashing their spears into the ground and chanting yeah. in in a theater. Oh my God! I just remember <laughs> just just how how like just the whole theater was rah, 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 the whole, and you felt like yeah yeah you felt like on your besieged yourself. You're like holy crap! What are these guys gonna do? This is bad. <laughs> this is it's a really it's a really good moment. Um, and it's still it's still tough. that whole sequence does. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember, like when the theaters were like, you know, other movies were coming out. Believe it or not, other movies came out out there. Where were the rings? But like, <laughs> other movies would come out, and like you'd be theaters away, and you were just like, oh, okay, okay, on the march. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, in addition to visual effects, obviously deserved. It also picked up one other, I believe. Um. Yeah, it picked up best sound, and you hit it right on the head right there. Just like. When Helm's Deep happens, and just like it's not just like the visual of it, it's the sound mm -hmm. of like actually, yeah. like you hear my favorite thing in there. It's not even just the seeing the field, it's like they keep cutting to like the women and children underneath, and you just mm -hmm. hear this distant echo of like, you know, there's yeah. a thousand the soldiers up there. There's a thousand yeah. <laughs> soldiers up there in Helm's Deep, and they all make this kind of noise, and these women and children are just hearing this stomping that is probably yeah. gonna come stab them in like 15 minutes. And all they can do is just listen to it happen. That is yeah. just utterly bone chilling to me. It is so a, yeah, it's they've earned that Oscar, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, sound is a very underappreciated art form. It is fifty percent of the movie yet and only gets roughly like twenty percent of the budget. But it can make a world and it like the the sound the sound sound design and sound effects in this in these films are simply amazing. <laughs> that it absolutely absolutely deserves it but okay it, so it only won two the first movie won uh was it like five or six mostly technical oscars this wins two but it was also nominated for four others one of which was best picture what were the other three um i one of them was chicago no i, and... I know i know uh sorry what were the other nominations that this movie uh was nominated got Oh, uh, yeah, that's Sorry, right. Um, so, yeah, it was up for Best Picture, Sound Mixing, Art Direction, and I think Editing? I yeah. Say editing. Yeah, yeah, Film Editing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, which and... I agree with. Honestly, I will say, uh, this to me, I even the I think the Extended is maybe the shortest, but this one also feels the quickest to me. Is it? All, it yeah, it always has. I've, I've always, I've never been like oh this is dragging oh. on hmm. it's, i get wait is it the shortest one though because i i honestly i, I feel like this was the longest i, I was gonna <laughs> we're gonna fight about this i i feel like this is the weakest of the extended think... we'll, we'll get into okay, that later we'll, but uh we'll get into that it does <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh it ultimately lost to chicago uh which we will have an episode on and we'll probably rehash a lot of these same uh, same thoughts, but uh, yeah, it lost a lot of them too. It lost it lost editing to them. It lost uh, art direction to them. Yeah, um, to to Chicago rather. Right. Uh, sound. It lost to Chicago. Um, yeah, yeah I, Chicago was its nemesis. This this. It this year. absolutely was. I am like I haven't seen it since I was well, I was nineteen then, and I was just very mad at Chicago for beating out Lord of the <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Have any of you guys <laughs> seen Chicago recently? Because I'm curious. Um, it's it's been a while. I believe, like, I caught it on cable once, like, the second half of it. And it's still a really good movie, but it's also kind of, like, an expected movie. Like, you kind of expect, like, they didn't do anything ambitious with that one, aside from maybe a couple of tricks with editing, which right. 
yeah, I mean, it's nice, but it's also doing things that we'd seen, you know, thousands of times before and a thousand different Oscar winners. Well, there's not there have been a thousand that would make, you know, the Oscars medieval. But <laughs> even still, like, it wasn't anything expected. Meanwhile, the whole reason why I was mad at, you know, that for winning was just here was Peter Jackson doing all these different things that we haven't seen or at least hadn't seen done on this scale before. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it lost it, but especially did that movie in particular, it was just like, eh, yeah. you know. So I'll, I'll, I'll probably say this when we get to Chicago, that Chicago is the trivial pursuit question. What's <laughs> name one of the name one of the two movies that beat beat out the Lord of the Rings films for Best Picture? It's Chicago, and it's a Beautiful Mind. That's like, like that's that's why we know, that's why we know them. That's absolutely why why we know them. But uh, ultimately, I do. It probably could be the case of okay, first movie, amazing, unexpectedly good. Second movie, also really good. Oh, there's a third one coming out next year. Why don't Why don't we just save everything? We're just gonna like you know what? I'm pretty sure it's gonna be good, and even if it's not the best, we're still just gonna award the the effort and just this this new way of making movies. He's like, look, Renee Zellweger may never be up here again. Let's just give it. <laughs> yeah, uh, give the woman a chance. Yeah. Well, she was not. She's nominated for. Well, not she that win? there was many women in Lord of the Rings to pick from. This <laughs> is true. That's, Peter that's Jackson a... did what he could. I, I always give him credit for like taking the few female roles from the books and and expanding on them and making them um, more powerful and more important to the story mm-hmm. and and uh, and cooler. But there's what three. Characters, I think. Eowyn, Arwen, and Galadriel, and that's, that's, that woman that's that was her kids before home. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That was <laughs> yeah. kind of good. Yeah, that's, right. yeah. Was that was the main Oh, character. Rosie Cotton. Maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's she's featured <laughs> briefly there at the beginning and yeah. the end of the, the entire thing. Yeah. That's my other question. <laughs> I was wondering about this. Does Rosie Cotton ever get a line? She says "Good night, boys." At oh, in the extended, okay. uh, or no, uh, no, in the, in the in the film, as as yeah, Frodo and Sam are yeah. Frodo and Sam are leaving the bar. Like leaving the bar at the end of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's it. So yeah. boom, she gets yeah, she gets a line. She gets paid. Get married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's about but it. Yeah. And so and so, not not to bring bring it ahead, but you know he's cre- he's you know expanding roles, or he's just outright creating. Yeah female roles right. just out of nothing yeah or 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 kind of combining um you know other other characters with you know what they did like uh i don't believe eowyn uh fought the um the head of the nazgul in return i don't uh yes in the books i think he, she, 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 did, she did she did but, but he did in the books but it was oh, it, like i don't think they really spent Bad much nerd. time on eowyn to make mm-hmm. it as powerful as it was, right, right. And I can't wait. I, I, I can't wait to the talk about that scene. The was a lot bigger, like here, than it was in the book, if I remember correct. Like, right. she, like she had this whole thing where, like, you know, she basically can't, like, you know, she's just looking at him all thirsty throughout the entire movie, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. To a head at you know, Return of the King. Like in the books, it was pretty much, you know, I want to look out for my people. You're a prospect, but eh, I'm not really interested. I have responsibilities. You know. Yeah. She's basically. And he extended two towers to it. It adds a lot more to that whole relationship. I mean, there's a whole part where you know she asked about his uh, about his brooch or uh, whatever, where he get it from, and it, it turns into this whole flashback scene that wasn't in the theatrical version. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it was. Uh, don't that so. that you know explains kind of their their past. Um, 
gives her gives a uh, Liv Tyler a, a role back in the film. Yeah, it, and, it, um, yeah, it, it it flashes back to like scenes just before the Fellowship leaves Rivendell. Yeah, to like explain that they broke up, but they kind of didn't. It's one of those weird like eh, maybe we should see, maybe we should spend some time apart, but not see other people. We just need some like me time. You need to go off and finish this quest, and I'll just. You like, do whatever I around here. Work and just you know, <laughs> this isn't going to work if we're going to be you know texting back and forth. You know, yeah, the right. middle earth with my texting. I, right. I throw a letter up and an eagle carries it towards Rivendell. Whatever. <laughs> you're gonna live <laughs> like moth. you're gonna live like a thousand years. I'm gonna just grow old and die eventually. <laughs> and I will scene. say that yeah, that one scene like the big love story out of it. I mean, it's very very sweet and like peter jackson handles it like with a whole lot of grace but the one thing i also give him credit for was the fact that he managed to integrate the appendices in an interesting way in that like that whole sequence where you know um elrond is trying to tell arwen you know look he's maybe not coming back you need to move on your people are not going to be here for you what are you going to do and isn't just kind of going into i mean it's rough but just kind of laying out okay you're going to live a thousand years he's going to be dead in 50 and right. just kind of he goes into that whole poetic speech and i again i mentioned i don't like the books but there's one line in there that i have always kept with me as probably one of the most beautiful sentences i ever wrote like an image of the splendor of the kings and men undimmed before the breaking of the world that is just a hell of a line man i get and, I, I get chills down my, my spine just for you saying just, that yeah and just laying that out as you know he is going to be immortal. His people will remember him. And you are going to be wandering the forest without anyone of your people here to help you. And just kind of laying that down as a reason why you cannot stay here. That was just a master stroke of if you are going to have kind of a maudlin, my daddy doesn't want me to see you anymore <laughs> kind of scene. That's the way to do it to make it actually mean something. And then just kind of it leads into like the midpoint of the entire trilogy, which also kind of brilliant yeah absolutely and uh, i i I as someone who's expecting a expecting a girl i'm like taking notes like okay say boyfriend's going to die you will live forever (laughs) alone got it right good note (laughs) (laughs) to watch what my kids would just nudge him hey see see what happens yeah Yeah. then you're gonna run into problems from like you know two weeks later she's like i had a vision of my kid running past me in a meadow like oh god this is all your (laughs) fault for telling me i couldn't be with him so i'm leaving home and i'm taking yeah (laughs) i'm going to the i'm going to the city to meet my boyfriend (laughs) women all have very controlling fathers in the stairs it's a (laughs) <laughs> they're, all, they're all they're all being told what to do oh no go stay in the go stay in the cave with the rest of the women folk and the, the babies yeah <laughs> no i want to go kill some yeah yeah, yeah. What got, i you know watching this uh for the first time i i've I realized something about eowyn but i finally get why american girls love european guys because european guy they've traveled the world they can probably speak a bunch of different languages they are generally, when they're over here, older, and they are not among the 50 or so eligible men that they are just around the whole time. Like, oh, of course she's attracted to this human dude who's, like, <laughs> got some cool stuff and maybe is a king and can talk to horses. Like, he's, like, Aragorn's the whole package. Like, I, if I were anyone, I'd be like, damn, that man is fine. And he's not Sam, the stupid stable hand over here or just whatever, just like some dude in Adaraska. There's only 10 of them. <laughs> 
He was just like, well, this is Sam. <laughs> he shovels stables. And um, this guy, oh, yeah, he's uh, he, he shovels stables. Um, yeah. What about this guy? Yeah, he rides horses. Yeah. They're all, they're, they all smell like horses. Yep. Just... Oh, God. But Never this... thought about how that place must smell. That's got to be awful. <laughs> I was like, Rohan is like a cool cool place, but Jesus, it must smell yeah. terrible. And what makes it worse is that that place is windy. Like, they go into it in the behind the scenes. Like, that place is windy, so, like, the smell just kind of carries. Like, yeah. there's just mountains. <laughs> There used to be trees around, like, like you know, thousands of horses, and oh, yeah, just think yeah. about it. Yeah, and like got... bushes, what not around Rohan? No, it's all just dead now because it all just smells like horse. Ah, oh, that's great. <laughs> Again, this is this is another one of those places. I believe they built a bunch of the sets, and I mm-hmm. and like I think they had to tear them down, but I really wish they didn't tear them down because I would totally go to uh, Edoras. I I would go to Edoras World and interact with robot horsemen, <laughs> <laughs> go on adventures. <laughs> Get, get, yeah, as I and and like get caught up in a robot stuff. uprising. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, like a lot of that stuff, like the sets were torn down, but like kind of like the geography, they kept it like kind of the same. Like you can still go up on that hill. Um, yeah. Hobbiton, apparently, they have kept a lot of the like houses kind of built into it, so you can still go there and actually see that stuff around. And one day, when I'm rich <laughs> and powerful and famous and have conquered all of you, I will actually go to New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> and we we support that as support your that as goal. your future yeah. as your future. Support. I appreciate that. I'll be looking for your support. <laughs> okay, well, guys, we are going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we are going to dive headfirst into Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. So, be right back. It's like in the great stories, Mister Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger, they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing. This shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going. Because they were holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? But there's some good in this world, Mr. Furl. And it's worth fighting for. Alright guys, Lord of the Rings The Two Towers is the second chapter in the trilogy of Lord of the Rings. Uh, being the middle chapter, how does this one hold up as its own entity? Pretty well, although it is it suffers from a little of that middle chapter syndrome where they do set up some new stuff. They set up, you know, Rohan as being its own separate thing. Um, Gom coming into the story and kind of having his redemption arc, like that's come something that's like you know starts resolved by the end of it. But the actual toil of 
you know, Sam and Frodo going to the ring. I mean, there's new elements there, but it's still just kind of one step on the journey where even they got turned like they got to the black gate and then all of a sudden, wait, there's a shortcut and they have to go kind of around and that's their arc. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily push as far forward as you would think. Like it's not like a, you know, new hope to empire kind of jump there. It's kind of right. very it's... Yeah. If it more weren't, subtle. Yeah. If it weren't for the, like, you know, the next one's coming, would it have been more problematic? Yep. Yeah, so I'm thinking like, the way that that leaves off, I mean, you do have this, you know, extremely epic battle right at the end. It does actually set the stage for, okay, the next stop is going to be Mordor. And you also have this factor of Gollum's are kind of achieving this other point of, okay, there's nothing there to redeem at this point. That, I think, would have been enough to kind of carry the film all the way through to, okay, we at least gotten to that point. It just kind of, it meanders away getting there in a way that Fellowship maybe doesn't, and Return of the King obviously being the end chapter doesn't, but it still does reach a point of a couple things do get resolved right at the tail end. So I think as far as holding that up until, you know, if we did have to wait three years for a new sequel to actually happen, it would have stood alone as just kind of, okay, at least we know the stakes are going to be raised for whenever this does happen. Okay. Alex? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if I... Well, watching the extended one is, is tainted by my view of it, I think, because I think, I think the extended one adds a lot of needless stuff to the film. It makes it uh, drag on a bit and it's really I mean it's one of the, obviously they're only for fans it's for people who want to know the whole story and have more time with these characters and stuff mm-hmm. like that let them fleshed out a little more but as as far as like an actual film I, I feel like it's the weakest and I think it's the weakest extent I don't know if the extended one actually adds to the film um Disagree. but uh yes I know you <laughs> but like I feel like if I had waited for that I don't know I can't really remember the theatrical one um versus this but if i'd waited for that and i knew i didn't know when the next one was going to come and i didn't know you know that there was a definitely a third part coming I mean, yeah obviously that would have that would have changed things mm-hmm. um what scenes in particular on the extended because ladies and gentlemen i know anything with mary anything with mary and pippin mary and pippin Aww. scenes gone forever no i don't care like that the end scenes feel like there's a real time <laughs> it goes on forever <laughs> it feels like you're, you're you sit through the entire end moot like that's i don't know if it, like I, I like Mary and Pippin. I like the characters. I I love spending time with them as a part of an entire film. It it just it pulls away from the real important parts. I I feel like you don't like. I mean, it's a it's a weird thing to say because I mean, obviously this is it's it's a weird story because it starts out as a fellowship, and then it just completely breaks apart, and you're following these little bands of of people, and they never really come back until like the very until end. Very end. Um, but um, you know that their stories don't ever intersect, really, in a way. Uh, so it's kind of strange that they have to kind of, you know, they have to live up on their own. But they don't really do too much. You know, they just meet a couple of tree guys and let the tree guys go fight. You know, they, <laughs> they throw a couple of rocks. They they subtle, no. they subtly influence the tree guys <laughs> to to action after the tree guys. Yeah. Fail to commit to anything. No, no, to it's anything. not them. He's because they see all their friends are dead. That's well, the only exactly. But they, but they, 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 only, they only do that because they're because <laughs> they suggest going south, past uh, past Isengard. Right. That's that's what I I I like I like the Merry and Pippin sequence. I like I like I like, I like, the, I like that sequence at the levity. end too. Yeah, it's it's levity, but yeah. also it's it's a needed levity. Everyone's just been through hell, and well, we need, and we did, and well, we, we need these. Somebody needs to just like 
take a step back and just like remember like hey we're just gonna enjoy this and this is what we're fighting for and whatnot and, and the, I, I i enjoyed that i really enjoyed that the, the extended one also makes a much more of a gesture out of gimli he has a lot more goofy one-liners in this one like he already did have a you know a couple funny moments him like standing at helm's deep is always kind of could be hilarious I enjoy uh, trying to look over the parapet right. <laughs> yeah it's always great um and I love, and I love that the uh, I do like what they did with the characters. Whereas I love that they added more of the uh, back and forth with him and Legolas, especially with the the fight, you know, the counting up uh, how many orcs they're slain or how many orcs they're slain. Right. Um, I, I always remember that from the book for some reason. I always love that whole kind of like interplay with both of them. But I, yeah, they they make him kind of this goofball too for a lot of the opening, or like a lot of the like the first half of the film. Yeah. Um, if, if I have if I have any if I have any criticism to the series, it's that. Gimli in the books, I recall, he is a very noble and awesome character, oh. and they make him. Yeah, he's a. They make. They, they make him a Scottish drunk, basically. Yeah, they, they, yeah. They and they need comic relief, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I, mean, I guess they could. They figured they, the way that they had the elves, like they don't have any dwarves to make a, you know, to to, to set the pace for for how old dwarves should be. The elves, they they all have to be this, you know, ethereal, stoic, um, very serious. You know, the the Vulcans of, of, um, <laughs> of Middle Earth, basically. <laughs> right. Um. So you know who else are you gonna use? You know, you got the well, you got the hobbits, and they're silly, but they're you know they're hobbit silly. You need you need a some other character to add a little more. But yeah, and, and I don't mind it for that. But it is. I feel like the extended one adds even more. I mean, there's a lot more. I feel there's at least like four or five extra little jokes that they add. I don't, um. I I do, like this is the one where I don't remember. Like I I remember like oh, okay this whole sequence is from is was not in there, but. A lot of the little mm-hmm. inserts, I don't mm-hmm. quite remember what's the what's different anymore because I haven't seen the theatrical right. version. It, it's in, because in the editions are really kind of minuscule and just kind of like they're there, like you said, for levity more than anything else. Yeah. They're right. not there to like you know, kind of introduce a whole new plot point aside from you know Boromir and like you know right. Faramir which having is their the best yeah. the, the, the best part. part of it's, it. Yes, yeah, makes I agree. It, makes, like, it makes the character like, makes the it, movie. And I feel like a lot of I do feel like it went over it went over a lot of people's heads that Faramir was Boromir. I mean, they talk about him, but I don't think people connect. Like at least the non-book readers didn't really connect the two. Like, wait a minute, this is you know, they don't they didn't really the relationship didn't make sense. I feel like for a lot of people because they only briefly mentioned you know Boromir's you know yeah. trying to grab the ring. Yeah, well, he well he says he was my brother in both versions. Yeah, I distinctly. I know, I know, but still, but... it's like it's been a year since he saw the movie. <laughs> Boromir is like you know he's he was a much more minor character in the theatrical fellowship too. Yeah. He was just kind of guy that was just scummy, and then uh, and then all of a sudden, I mean that that's yeah. <laughs> but and then uh, all of a sudden, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Far- Faramir's character, I think, gets the most out of the extended. He has he, he has this yeah. little speech when he meets the hobbits and then the whole flashback with which also introduces Denethor. Uh John Noble basically mm-hmm. playing himself. Yeah, he gets another he, little scene. I love Denethor. He's such a oh, great so character. Good. He's, a, and, oh, he's uh, such a bastard. Oh my oh, god. Yeah, he's, he plays it so well. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, like, he's like he's there's that one He's line one of my I swear, like I've been using that in real life to certain people when I've been like at work and just like I know his uses and they are few. <laughs> That's just uh, <laughs> <laughs> to his yeah. son, uh, to oh, his kid, to his face. <laughs> like oh, right outside the door, and you said that. Oh, it's brutal! It's brutal. I I do I think, think John. I do think John Noble has been playing Denethor ever since. I can't see him. I can't see him <laughs> as anything else. He's just like, oh, you're playing this, like a dad, a disappointed dad. 
in everything. And it's funny because like <laughs> he plays the scarecrow in like Arkham Knight and like he taunts Batman like over the radio through like most of that. Oh, he's scarecrow. And he, he, yeah, he plays Scarecrow in Open Night. Yeah, and so like good. that He's entire so time, it's like like listening to Denethor's ghost, like you know, taunt Batman all the time. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, well, now I just feel bad inside and don't want to fight. All right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay, so the film, we finally get Gollum, who, from scene one, he is wonderful to look at. But that, this creation is nothing without Andy Serkis and uh Justin I know you have some you have some beef with the Oscars for not even acknowledging the the war, the 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 mocap work that Circus uh Circus put in you want to elaborate on that oh yeah so <laughs> and it's it's a thing that bugs me with the Oscars in general because once upon a time they used to give like special achievement Oscars all the time if you did something that was you know absolutely phenomenal and there was just no category for it. That was a thing where it's just like, we still want to give you an Oscar. We just had no idea how to categorize it. Boom, here you go. And this, like, it seemed like right around that time, like, special effects was kind of ramping up to where we have it now. We have, like, you know, digital stuntmen running around. You have Gom. You have, like, all this new stuff going on with green screen. And this fantastic new creation comes along, spearheaded by this actor, and they get a performance out of it as opposed to just being an effect. And nothing, no you know, special, you know, achievement. No, it was just silence from the Academy. And it's kind of continued on through like, you know, and I know there's a whole controversy with Andy Serkis as well, because, you know, half his performance is the animators, but at the same time, it's still a marriage of technology in a way that tells stories. And again, it's just something we hadn't seen. And he's still doing it to that extent. Like when Planet of the Apes came out, like that was something we're like, oh, God, we're yeah. Seeing, yeah. yeah, we're seeing like him infuse like this soul with him in this performance that you know it's half the animators, it's half him, but it's still a human being in there. And again, we're not seeing any recognition for it even to this day, even after we've seen this achievement happen time and time again. Right, and we all understand. It's all understood now, like what exactly goes into it. I mean, they tried it. I feel like they tried it at the time, especially around like award season. They were trying to, you know, to show exactly how much work and how how much of the role was him, you know. But um, you know, now it's you know it's common knowledge that this is how these these things are made and how they're made so well. And um, every every you know great digital creature, um, it has like as an actor behind it now. There isn't there isn't you know if you want a good performance, a human performance, even for a you know subhuman creature, uh, you get you get an actor to play or you get Andy Serkis to play it because <laughs> yeah. you know we, we talked about this briefly in the last episode. But of all the actors to you know make a career of what they were doing, it's probably Andy right. Serkis who. <laughs> He, yeah. I mean, this just set his whole career path. Not that he hasn't acted in other things. The movie's called The Two Towers, and that was the mm-hmm. title given to it based by yeah. the by the book's publisher back in the the fifties, whenever the book was published. And uh, we happened to have a major worldwide incident involving Two Towers the year before, so there was a very there, again, like Fellowship, there was this an odd sort of. Uh, like synchronicity in terms of like, oh, this came out and it just happened to align mm-hmm. with some of the stuff we wanted. It's been 14 years. Does do the themes of this film and certainly with well with the way the world is now and reading our Facebook feeds, I assume we all agree it's going to hell in a handbasket. Does it still have relevance? This uh, 
this this particular one, the two the two towers in particular, and obviously I'm talking, you know, this goes into like Sam's speech, et cetera, and whatnot. It's funny because I think they do kind of it is basically a product of its not a product of its time, but I would say it had more relevance back in two thousand two than it does now because right then, I mean, we were like kind of just starting to kind of get really mired in like, you know, the Middle East, you know, Afghanistan and, you know, kind of switching from Hussein over to bin Laden and all of that. At that point, it was super relevant because you had also this nation of people where, you know, evil is beating down their doorstep and they not wanting necessarily to drop rides of war, but his people were in danger. So it was, it, you had to. And like, at that point, you kind of had a thought of, well, it's, is it kind of glorifying war? But just that bit of hesitation that he has, I mean, he wants to protect his people. He doesn't want to go forth and actually slay anybody. He just wants to keep his people safe, and Helm's Deep is the best place to do it. I'd say in that regard, it was definitely relevant to then. Right now, we're at a point where just the war, like whatever war we're in, we need to not be a part of it, per se, especially <laughs> not with who's going to be running the military. But <laughs> with all that, like you look at the two towers and you see, you know, Theoden going to war, and he's absolutely 100% right in this case, where there's nothing like this would be the equivalent of. You know, Saruman sent like three wargs and a goblin after like Rohan, and he was just like, "Well, send me entire Rohirrim after him. Let's do this. Let's roll." <laughs> so yeah, Sorry. I think it was more relevant back then when we didn't have you know basically Denethor yeah. sitting on the throne. Yeah, oh, I, totally I, I mean, I do think the the like a lot of themes are timeless though. Like you know, at least the uh, uh, barring the war stuff. You know, I, I, I've always loved Frodo's journey in here. I, lo I love the way that he's, he's he chooses to see Gollum as as a he wants to look at Gollum in a hopeful way, and I love that he's 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 a as he's falling apart himself and he's being, you know, pulled down by the weight of the world and the weight of the ring. Um, he's still trying to trying to hold on to that, trying to hold on to a little bit of hope, and trying to you know by, by seeing like oh maybe there's so, another ch maybe there's a chance, maybe there's a possibility that this guy who's been through the same thing that I have uh, can can snap out of it and and change. And I feel like that's that I, that that theme is always like stuck with me the most. Um, and with you know of course Sam helping him out, but you know it's more so like his, his internal struggle for this film at least. Yeah. I feel like it's more a return where when Sam's help really comes into into play. Yeah. yeah, I'd say um, if there is one thing that's going to be super relevant, it's that final speech that Sam gives. Like, that mm -hmm. one right mm -hmm. there, I mean, like, I yeah. saw that, like, just online, like, a couple weeks after Trump got elected, and it was pretty much exactly <laughs> everything that I needed to hear at that particular moment. And that was the reason why I wanted mm -hmm. to go revisit the films to begin with, was mm -hmm. just because I forgot just how much those films get by on just pure, unadulterated, un you know, uncynical hope that everything's going to mm -hmm. get better. Things are going to be bad. That's just how life is. You need to pick yourself up. You have to realize that it will pass and there are still good people in the world no matter what. Mm -hmm. That right. is going to be, it was timeless back when Tolkien wrote it. It was timeless when, you know, Two Towers came out and we were in a political situation that we were. And it's basically, it's good for whenever you're faced with just trying times. And that's probably mm -hmm. a huge part of why the trilogy endures in general is because all three of them have that message. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's always going to be some trying time every, few, every decade or so. There's going to be something, some new, uh, 
Some new war, some yeah. new thing going on. Uh, every, it seems every like, uh, when the years. reptile people come down from the heavens and you know completely eradicate the White House and you know every major capital, we're gonna watch Sam's speech and remember the reptile <laughs> people will eventually go away. Right. We just have to, but you just have but, to endure. Yes, you have to endure, but you also have to you know know when to fight too. And I think people <laughs> people start to realize you know this is like if there's any if there's any just war in middle earth it's the war of the ring really that uh, is right and you also have to you have to band together you can't do it by yourself i kind of always love that that thing too like you know there's only so much you can do by yourself you you have to trust other people you have to uh believe in the goodness of the people believe that people will be there for you you'll be there for them that kind of thing that the, you know the humanity uh you know that, that's you know the whole thing at the end with the uh, the finally with the uh, Roharim charge, and uh, you know they show up and just I'd ask Steve. <laughs> I wish you could have seen Steve's face just now, because he just looked blissed out. <laughs> he, just, he just tilted his head back like in ecstasy. It's, like, it's a oh, great moment. Like it's a good. So, so a decent decent moment of the movie. Yeah, Steve, no, what well, you well, say? well, I was I was going to ask you. I asked this on Facebook, but uh, the charge of the Roharim guys. Great movie moment. <laughs> Or greatest movie moments. <laughs> it's it's pretty perfect. It's, it's I mean you know Susie Gandalf you know Susie you hear that you know it's it's always dawn on the fifth day as he, as Gandalf promised you're like you're like ah Gandalf is not gonna he's not gonna let us down sure right. enough he comes there on his uh king, you know king of the horses uh, <laughs> just jumping up in the uh, <laughs> lord of the horses I love that that's that's a thing by the way it's it's so funny that his horse is like the lord of like what does that what does that even mean you don't see any horses like bowing in supplication <laughs> to him or like what do they do they like uh, what do they do like what do, how do you have a <laughs> there's like a horse hierarchy there's like a duke of horses right horsearchy contest yeah. of horses who is the next horse in line Etc. Is it a, right, right. is is it through blood? What is it election? Also, uh, why why is the Lord of All Horses got to be white? Just like, <laughs> just just asking. Just, yeah, <laughs> no black. Well, no, all the black horses are evil. I'm just saying. <laughs> go for it. There we go. But he's yeah exactly. He's just, he can't control himself. So he's yelling. <laughs> 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 But to, uh, but uh, but to uh, to bring it back to Helm's Deep, uh, I like I was amazed at how well the, like the first the Minds of Moria action scene held up. Helm's mm. Deep is really it's paced so very well. I was like I was just enthralled. I'm like I forgot how good this was. They just have they have enough small little moments. It's not just one giant side versus another giant side they managed to focus in on you know a bunch of little characters and, li- and little little stories here and there it's it's really fucking good like it it doesn't ignore, and it doesn't have any of the um any of the excess of the battle of Pelennor fields and that jackson would like sort of just revel in in the in the hobbit in the hobbit trilogy and i was like i was wondering where where you guys stand on on Helm's Deep and how it affected you, and even considering that it was a minor battle in the books, and yet here it was made the focus. Like, what do you guys think of it? Oh, uh, um, I remember the first time, and again, this was you know back when it was new technology, and again there were this many soldiers all marching on this one place, just going against a very, and that was I think 
a huge part of it too because they had that whole lead in where these are not soldiers and maybe about a couple hundred soldiers the rest are like old guys who pretty much you know had to just get off of like milking their cows to go fight this war and their children mm-hmm. all going off and just dropping rocks on orcs these guys are dreadful war versus somebody who just learned to throw a rock yesterday <laughs> and the fact that they kind of ramp yeah. it up towards you know these are the people that are going to have to defend this and they it basically feels like they don't stand a chance from minute one. The uh, the hel- the uh, the helmets being put on the kids' heads is such a great moment oh. for that. You're like, oh my god! The old men grabbing you know spears and uh, little kids put getting helmets put on them, just looking terrified. You're like, it's it's it works so well to just just make yeah, yeah you're they're doomed. There's no way. There's no way. Right. And I, the fact up. that they even put up as much of a fight as they do is like just right. the entire time is just like how are they even like still alive right now? Yeah. So the right. fact that they even build up to that, that's, I think, why it all pays off and why they're able to build up to something like Pelamore Field, because at that point, everything that they've done at that point has kind of led up to this. They've seen, like, well, from going from Two Towers to Return of the King, you see these people gather their bravery. They know what they're fighting for at this point. Mm-hmm. But in Helm's Deep, it gets to a point where we have survived this long, and Aragorn basically does kind of a Hail Mary. It's just like dawn is rising. I have to have faith in my friends that they're actually going to pull through on this. I have no doubt that when he says ride out with me, he's thinking we're going to die, but I'm going to go out swinging. Certainly Theoden thinks that. Yeah, Dayton exactly. is a he is a nihilistic. Uh, he is a he's like I'm re- <laughs> I'm like I'm ready. For, I lost my son. Fuck everything. I'm I'm out. I'm gonna well, go down and blaze of glory. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense for a character. He's you know he's been especially since oh God, I love that character too. He, I love I love the way that he uh you know he's get built up after uh, Wormtongue has his way with him, mm-hmm. and um you know he's, he deals with so much realizing how how everything fell apart when he was uh all clouded by Saruman. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, but that moment, yeah, when he's, when he, he's, he's just whining, basically, <laughs> just like, ah, it's no hope, no, and Aragorn says, yeah, men are still dying, you know, they're dying, it's still, whatever, he yells at them, and, um, uh, gets them to buck up and, you know, go out, yeah, but I, God, I, I love, I love his character, though, I, I think, I don't know, I feel like the time in, Ro- in Rohan is some of my favorite in this film, um, I, I just, all the characters, I love the way that, um, I love the, I don't know everything the whole interplay with Theoden and how uh, you know it's more about the how everything is clouding the minds of men kind of thing like that I do I do love that yeah and um, he finally he finally becomes you know he finally breaks out of it and turns turns tides basically and uh, fights and lives and, well for now for now <laughs> for now <laughs> and it all kind of comes down to like once kind of rewarding that faith in your friends where again you have this whole your reward, basically, is Gandalf showing up at the top of that hill at dawn with, like, 3,000 soldiers behind him. And, mm-hmm. again, and just, I don't know, Jackson leans into that just 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just, and then the Rohirrim. It's not like, again, the books where, and then the Rohirrim came down, and then they won. <laughs> right. It's yeah, like, yeah, okay, just... there is sunlight. There is, like, the glory of all the gods of men and elves, like, shining down on the battlefield while they're riding through. Yeah, the like music swelling. Pour, pour down that. Oh. Yeah. And that score during the moment, just, like, he just drops everything out. There's just that one child's voice kind oh, of singing everybody. Ugh. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting goosebumps just talking yeah. about the that. Sound, yeah, I, I had to go back and listen to the score because this, made, this might have actually my favorite 
uh, score. Especially, I, I love the Helm's Deep the score, but I also love the uh, the March of the Ends, which I feel is still like one of the great <laughs> yes. like going to war movie movie songs. Remember, yeah. uh, <laughs> Steve actually, I, I hummed it once before I, uh, at a previous job with Steve when we went. We're heading to a meeting. <laughs> and thankfully, they picked up on it right away. My dorky uh, coworkers. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's just perfect. It's, it's perfect. That was like. That scene, too, was just, like, a confluence of awesome things that, like, hit me personal. Yeah. One, because it was the ants, like, actually going to war. <laughs> Two, yeah. because, holy crap, it's giant trees about to go to war with Saruman <laughs> in particular. But yeah. also, and the appendices completely vindicated me on it. It was this one line that I always remembered from childhood, because my mom used to teach drama, and every summer she used to host, like, you know, these kids would just post Shakespeare, and one of my favorite things was Macbeth, where, like, you had ghosts running around, you had revenge, you had all these murders and wars, and there's this one line that they had to keep doing because the kids kept screwing it up, but it kept with me all these years. Macbeth will never vanquish be until great Burnham Wood to hide Dunton and Hill shall come against him. Mm-hmm. And that one moment is literally a wood coming alive to come take down a wizard. Yeah. And I thought, this is just me. This is just me getting goosebumps that they're actually, this is something that's actually happening on screen. And then the appendices, like, that's totally what they were going for there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the token, the, yeah. like, Peter Jackson just kind of leaning into it 100%, right. letting this wood come and just take revenge on the industrial <laughs> world. Yeah. Yeah, it's all nature versus industry thing. I love love that part of it it's definitely it's a, almost a hippie movie if you think about it that way yeah Which well, is the, yeah there, there's 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 a yeah. strong yeah. there's a strong like environmental message to the whole lord of yeah. the, the whole trilogy really it's about right. the like, like, with nature. Like, like people people have said it's about like the perils of industrialism the ring represents uh you know the modernity of you know new like unchecked like power and whatnot and you know maybe in the hobbits are hobbit the heroes are like these simple farm folk who mm. you know just want to just want to eat and drink ale and that doesn't sound so bad <laughs> no does it no yeah. they do have the best lives of anybody in this whole world i mean oh, it's yeah. not even it's not just like joke. sit around smoke <laughs> drink grow stuff. smoke drink like grow stuff in the yeah plant and garden that's all i do yeah and have so, more babies Sounds so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the humans don't have it so good. I mean, the Rohan, uh, Rohan's probably the best. You know, I mean, Gondor is just a mess, oh, as we yeah, uh, find out at the end here. It's yeah. just it's under Rohan, siege I mean, constantly. I mean, I, yeah. Good vocation there, guys. <laughs> humans. Yeah. Who thought that? <laughs> it's, 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 it's like, guys, there's this volcano that's just erupting. We're, you know what? I think we should build like right across from there. Also, uh, also, like, uh, like, like, not to belabor the point. I have no idea how a constantly erupting volcano would not cause some cataclysmic <laughs> worldwide winter. But you know, hey, it's, it's Middle a, Earth. It's Middle Earth. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't affect you know Osgiliath or Gondor that much. But you just kind of think on the other side of that map, maybe there's like you know all these seven islands, and there's this little place called Westeros. It's having a little bit of a climate problem at the moment. Oh I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, it's all connected. What are you doing? <laughs> Head cannon. Just oh man, just nerding out right right now. Uh, just but what one last one last one last thing on the uh, assault on Isengard. Uh, the the tree that's on fire. He's he's my MVP in the movie. 
no, no, no. Which of the ends of my MVP? It's the one when they finally they break the dams. There's that there's that tree at the end that grabs an orc and just tosses him into the oncoming water. It's such a great moment. I love I love catching those little those little character moments like in the in the giant battle scenes. I feel like there's so many even even in you know this 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 nascent technology where they had like you know yeah most of them are just you know kind of automated almost um but like that one end just just, just like i'm gonna throw you this is where you belong this <laughs> rushing water just, just you know underhands him it's, it's, <laughs> it's so good it's 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 all good all good all right gentlemen we are running uh we are running low on time the hour grows late as they might uh, say so smoke rises in the east the hour grows late and is almost done with this podcast <laughs> oh wow that's very that's very nice justin clark gentlemen you have no idea how many years i took like i almost went as saruman one halloween i was just like black saruman <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would have been a statement yeah almost yeah definitely definitely but um Gentlemen, your final thoughts on the two towers, Alex. I still love it. I think it's the weakest one. I, I think that the extended one drags on quite a bit. Uh, there's a lot of needless fan scenes that that I feel like don't uh, need to be in the film, especially the end parts. I do love the ants. I do love Marion Pippin. I love all the characters, but as 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 part of a film, I just feel like it doesn't fit. Um, but at the same time, it's like I still sat there and raptured, and I was like, I love every single moment of this movie, and I, I'm not gonna, you know, don't don't get me wrong, I still really really enjoy it. I just think, uh, I, and especially I'm revisiting these films now, uh, my least favorite of the three. Okay. So I, I was actually I actually kind of agree with the, the Academy on their lesser nominations this year. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Justin Clark, your final thoughts. Um, I still really enjoy it, but again, like Alex, I do see the flaws in there in that, again, there's a lot that doesn't quite move, you know, it's basically a move, a film that moves the trilogy by inches instead of miles, which is what the other two films do. But still, some of the best stuff that gets paid off in Return of the King starts here. And I think in terms of building that foundation, it's still a fantastic movie, and it still gets to a point of there's still a climax to this movie that is worth following. It still has an emotional core that it fulfills by the end of it. And we hadn't really talked about it so much, but just that final moment is pretty much our lead into what will become Return of the King in that, you know, yes, Helm's Deep is one, but then you just cut right back to Gollum and you see just evil has kind of won at the end Mm -hmm. where, he, you know, Dom has seen what men will do. He's seen yeah, that Frodo's not all the way he seems. And he just makes that decision at the end that Sam basically is kind of warning about when he says that there's still good in the world and it's worth fighting for. And he has that look, Gollum has that look on his face where he's just kind of downcast and realizing, mm. I don't have that. Yeah. So mm. that decision at the end that leads right into Gollum's song, which, by the way, is way underrated. I think that's one of my favorite, like, you know, end songs for the entire trilogy. But just kind of that lead out to. Yes, everything has hope, but there's still that one part that leads right into the sequel that maybe it's not okay for everyone. And Two Towers is all about that lead into what will happen if, you know, we're down in the dumps, you know, 
humanity will come and you know find its courage the hobbits will find you know they still have faith in each other and in their friends but there's always going to be that one element that just not necessarily is still going to need to be conquered and maybe just maybe there's a chance you might lose and i think that's a great setup to actually get to what return of the king actually comes to so for me i still love two towers it's still setting up a lot of of the best things I love about Lord of the Rings. Well said, sir. Uh, I will disagree with you and say I think this is actually my favorite one. Uh, the wow. I, huh. the extended, I the uh, the Faramir stuff to me increases <clears throat> the, the 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 depth and, emo- and emotion of this film just just a lot because he is here. We have and it is better explained now than in the theatrical here we have this character who is he is about to follow the same path as boromir but pulls back and you know and redeems himself he becomes the the good human and i just i really love david wenham that we didn't we didn't really talk about all the actors but david wenham is just he's fantastic in the role he will always be faramir to me and this one it uh to me it never drags the the humorous moments with mary and pippin uh, and the extended are, I think, uh, great and just a nice little solve from the on the, from the oncoming darkness that is uh, that is approaching, that that is there, that is Helm's Deep, and like the action scenes work, all of the little character little bits and moments, the Legolas ball busting, the Gimli jokes, everything by uh, Aomer, who's the, one of the most underappreciated hot men of the entire series, and my. It, my it, my opinion and my wife's opinion for that matter too uh, this one this one works this one it breezes by for me and it is enough of its own film to to like you know it okay if you saw this just as itself it'd be like definitely like okay there's is there more to it but i think it can it can work uh work on its own with you know with, with some caveats because obviously it is it was definitely intended to never be its own real film it's just it's a uh it's a chapter but i adore this one i look forward to every time i i get to i get to see it um and that's and that's me yeah so this uh this has been oscar watch if you have liked what you've heard or if you don't like what you've heard you can send us an email at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com be sure to find us on facebook twitter and instagram at oscar watch pod and, and like and subscribe on itunes that'd be fantastic justin clark if people wanted to read your writings where would be the best place and which ones would you recommend um well there's actually a site that i really love called open critic where especially for freelancers if you're writing for multiple outlets it's a place where all of your work is in one place oh. and i'm actually on that website and pretty much everything that i've written is kind of collected right there in one place so you don't have to go clicking around but if you did want to you know do the extra like work maybe you've got a free afternoon i'm on GameSpot. i'm on slant magazine and I will actually be starting reviewing movies over at High Def Digest starting in January. So there's that as well. Oh, fantastic. We look forward to that. Thank you. Very much so. And Alex, if people wanted to uh, read your thoughts. Oh, you could, you could find me on Twitter, Alex Raviello, or just alexraviello.com. I have most of my stuff. I should do an open critic thing, but because uh, it's a pain in the ass to just <laughs> 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 every time I write something, I update my site. But yeah, that's I have most of my stuff up on there. Okay. I also forgot I had, do have a Twitter. I always forget I have a Twitter, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Justin of Clark, but yeah, there's that too. 
Okay. Well, that's you guys should uh, everyone re- reach out, say hello. We love uh, we love to have conversations with people about movies. And if you have liked this, you should come next week where we will have an official best picture episode of Oscar Watch, where we will discuss <laughs> the third and final uh, entry into the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings trilogy, Return of the King. And Justin Clark, if you'd like to stick around, we'd love to have you again. You have my sword. All right. <laughs> All right. The fellowship is, uh, we're, yes. keep, we're keeping it together. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> thank you for tuning in. I'm Stephen Wait Nugent. a minute. What? Wait a minute. Are we Frodo, Sam, and Gollum? Is that what's going on? Are which we one? Who's which? Mordor? Oh, hey. God. We'll to, we'll to, yeah, we're, we'll we'll figure this out. We'll we'll we're gonna have a conversation before next week, and we're gonna we're gonna figure it I'm out. I'm just we'll saying back. one of us is bald at the moment. Just kind of throwing that out there. Mm, okay, fine. Jeez. People, so like I, this doesn't translate, but the look on his face is just priceless. Oh, screen cap. Anyways, this has been Oscar Watch. Thank you for listening. Until next time, we'll see you on the red carpet. Where once was light, now darkness falls.